0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal, Özil marca Mesut Özil.
1: Sánchez, esto es un auténtico golazo, fantástico minuto 27, lo ha hecho absolutamente todo.
2: This is Arscast Extra.
1: Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, James from Gunnerblog, a goodly morning to you, James.
2: And goodly morning to you, sir. How are you doing? I am all right. It's
1: going to be an exciting morning here in the podcast because we're going to do. The Champions League draw
2: live, live, live. live. Yeah, I know. Amazing. I mean, we could have recorded this, you know, a few days ago. We'd we'd still know that we're going to be playing Bayern Munich, (laughs) I would suggest. (laughs) Oh, I'm just,
1: I just, anything but Bayern Munich. Anything but that. (laughs) Like, I, I don't want Real Madrid either. I'd like something easy, but just not Bayern Munich again. It would just be boring, wouldn't it?
2: I mean, Real Madrid would be exciting, at least, right? I mean, I know we've played them in the not-too-distant past, mm. but that's, that's a hell of a tie. Um, but Bayern Munich, oh, I mean, it, not only is it difficult, but it's it's so repetitious. We've seen it so many times. So, yeah. yeah. Pretty much anything else would be fun. Can we get Sevilla? Sevilla would be nice. Sevilla
1: would be great. Be, well, I mean, in terms of a place to go,
2: it would be fantastic. Yeah. But they're, they're a very good team this season, Sevilla. Um, no, a very good team. I mean, there are a lot of good teams in there, mm. um, but you know, if I'm looking at places that might be fun to to hang out, yeah, that would be up there with Madrid. Really, nice yeah,
1: spot. you could catch up with uh, with our old friend Samir Nasri. Of course, he's uh, he's a big big chap now in Sevilla, isn't he?
2: Yeah, he is the the new Jose Reyes. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a legacy! But yeah, so we have got that coming up. So that will be you'll hear us going oh, uh, like live when Bayern Munich come out the. The pot. Yeah, we go, oh, it's, oh, it's Bayern. Oh. Yeah. No. So look forward to that later in the podcast. I yeah. mean, the, the draw is supposed to be imminent, but we know that UEFA like to drag these things out.
1: They do, yeah. The baldy guy gets on stage. He talks about how great UEFA are, how great he is. He shows off by speaking in a couple of different languages, uh, mm-hmm. makes a few little jokes Asides. then they get some ex-pro, somebody who's won the Champions League, to come up, they do a really awkward interview with him in his own language, which is then translated back, or, or it's in really bad English. Uh, and then, I don't know, they, they sort of get dancing girls out and all kinds of things before eventually uh, they pick the balls out of the, uh, out of the pots that uh, have already been predetermined by the television companies, the advertisers and the sponsors, etc., etc., Or am I being too cynical? (laughs) I'm
2: being too Uh, cynical. Maybe, but I think, you know, Arsenal always have to send someone along to the draw, and I feel like as the years have gone on, people have got wind of how boring these ceremonies are. Mm. Like, the the quality of the calibre of person that we've sent has diminished over time. You know, it used to be (laughs) the chairman or, you know, one of the directors, and I think they'll probably just send, like, I don't know, the cleaning staff now, just yeah, uh, report back, let us know it's buying.
1: Yeah, exactly, please. Just tell us what, uh, what time... We can uh, it comes out, so we can just do the website. Arsenal draw. Exactly. By. <laughs> I think they send uh, David Miles, don't they? The uh, the club secretary.
2: Do they? I think okay. he's the guy. Oh, that that's... Goes.
1: It used to, it used to be David Dean, and I'm sure that Ivan Gazidis used to go in in the early days of his uh, uh, of his reign, empire, tyrannical, yeah. despotic man that he is. No, I'm joking, <laughs> Ivan. Honestly, but yeah, I think it's David Miles that they send out. But you're right; they probably have just sent out. Doris. Anyone? T. Anyone <laughs> who's free? Does anyone an want? Anyone want to go to the Champions League draw? No, no, sorry.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's busy. I, I, I would literally rather scrub the toilets so at London Colney <laughs> the Champions League draw. Um, yeah. But there we go. We'll find out about that. Yeah.
1: In in just a few minutes' time, we'll we'll be keeping an eye on it for you, and you you can hear our excited reactions as and when that happens. So, uh, how was your weekend? It was a good weekend. Actually, I I, I did enjoy uh, your contribution to the to the press conference. Uh, the other ah. day
2: uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> I mean Arsene Mengo really blindsided me I'll be honest I mean I had no idea so basically the, the press conference was, was uh, you know plodding along as usual and no one had asked about Mustafi I was sat there at the back thinking how's Mustafi you know especially I mean I, was, I felt responsible in some ways because I jinxed him quite so heavily on Twitter which I'll tell you about a bit later but mm. he um, so I, I asked him oh how's Mustafi you know that must be the, the one disappointment of the day. And I, I think what he said was, it looks to me quite a good hamstring strain.
1: <laughs> well, listen, here, I'll, I'll play the clip for you because I uh, have the clip you. here. Um, and you can hear what he says. And he, he, he's got the strangest smile on his face while he's saying it as well. It's, it's yeah. really weird. So people can have a listen here to this, uh, this thing. It's about 20 seconds.
2: Well, how about his mistake? That must be the one
1: disappointment today. Yeah, I... Uh... I believe uh, it looks quite a good time string strain. Good, which
2: way? <laughs> if not, good. Normal.
1: Good means in a bad sense. <laughs> <laughs> well. <coughs>
2: I mean, Crystal could, clear.
1: Absolutely. I mean,
2: it couldn't I mean, be any more clear, could it? <laughs> you'll have to forgive my paranoia, but at, when he gave me that answer, I thought, he's definitely on to me here. He knows I'm not proper, and he's me- he's messing with me.
1: Oh, so you know, then, like it? you're not a proper journalist. You're not one of the, like, the Fleet Street hacks. Is that what yeah, you were thinking? Yeah, yeah. Or
2: he's seen me wearing a wig pretending to be him, or something like that. <laughs> I was just like, this is such an odd answer. And, I, and I, I sort of went for clarification, and he was like, well, I'm not really going to clarify. Yeah. He did later sort of say that he uh, he went back and sort of said that by, by good he meant, you know, a sturdy hamstring strain, one that's going to rule him out for a minimum of three weeks. Mm. But Arson being very cryptic with me, I'll have yeah. to try and hammer him down I, I, I think it, Yeah,
1: I think your paranoia is probably right there. He's probably gone, hey, <laughs> isn't that the guy who was dressed as a woman in the back of a taxi just a couple of weeks ago?
2: I'm not answering anything he, he says. Uh, it did feel like that. It did feel like that. Um, but look. You know, Arsene and I—we've got we have got a curious relationship. We're we'll, uh, <laughs> we're working on it. We're working through some problems. Hey, look, I think. Yeah. we'll get there.
1: I'm sure you will. Um, but yeah, it was a funny moment. Obviously, the Mustafi injury was, I guess, the one downside of of what was a good day for us on Saturday against against Stoke.
2: It was a good day, but I think it generally is when we play Stoke at home. Yeah. as far as I, as far as I'm aware, going away there is awful. Uh, but uh, yeah, at home. Not not too troubling. And look, seeing Mark Hughes unhappy is one of football's rare pleasures. It, it really is.
1: I take uh, great
2: delight in seeing him. There
1: was a brilliant snapshot of him, I think I put it up on Twitter yesterday, where he is just staring. I assume uh, that he's staring at the, the big screen to see what the hell happened for the third goal, for the Alex Iwobi goal. And he just has this look of like... Uh, what the fuck is going? I and mean, he he looks he looks very unhappy. I I saw that he walked out of his press conference. Did you stay for the Mark Hughes part
2: of the press conference? No, I I avoid him where possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was uh, I was filing a piece of work at that time, but I, someone who was in there told me about it. Yeah, he he wasn't happy about the questions about the Stoke fans singing uh, Aaron Ramsey. He walks with a limp, mm. but uh, I guess if I was him, I'd be deeply embarrassed of that too. But you would have thought he could have. Uh, mustered some some words of, you know, show a bit be a bit contrite about it because it yeah. was really appalling for the State Fantasy. We've come to expect that. Yeah. If he was watching that replay of that third goal, Mark Hughes, and feeling a bit confused, well what he was watching was one of his own players being more concerned about trying to stamp on the opposition than get back and make a tackle. Yeah. Uh, yeah I Charlie mean that- Adam. I mean <sighs>
1: I mean, he is a big clumsy. No, clumsy is the wrong word because clumsy uh, suggests that there's it's it's accidental in some way, and he's clearly not accidental in the way that he tries to injure opposition players. And it's not just Arsenal players. I think we've seen it before. I remember one particular really nasty one. Was it on uh, Gareth Bale mm, um, in the past? That. And you know, he's he's just one of those guys who who leaves his foot in. He's a nasty, snide fucker fat fucker as well um and it was justice that the fact that he he stopped or broke his stride to stamp on alexis is what prevented him from getting a tackle in on alex uobi who who went in and scored the third goal that is just absolute poetic justice karma whatever you want to call it uh it serves him right the fucking prick
2: <laughs> yeah, and actually I'm sure we'll get onto it. The referee, you know, by most people's opinion didn't have a great day, but the decision to play advantage there yeah. was uh, was a good one. Yes. It
1: was. It was about the only thing that he uh he did right all day. Mm. In my opinion, he was he was Lee Mason, wasn't he? I mean, Lee Mason really Lee Masoned himself.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was trademark. Trademark Mason. Mm, classic. Classic Mason you might say. Yeah, textbook, textbook. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look, it was a, a really good day. And I suppose the the best thing about it, apart from Mark Hughes and Charlie Adam being sad, is that, you know, it, in the first half, we actually found ourselves in a, a bit of a pickle, really. We had the Mustafi injury. We found ourselves a goal down. And the way we recovered from that is Really encouraging. and mm. It's not the first time we've done that this season. So maybe all this talk about mental strength and I saw a forensic psychologists working with the team now, you know, maybe, maybe there is something to that. Maybe mm. they are a bit more resilient. It was
1: interesting. I was watching the, uh, the press conference earlier this morning and Arsene Hanger was asked about that and he seemed very keen to play it down. He said, you know, the reason we're on a good run is because of the quality of the players. You know, we don't need to go overboard on the the whole psychologist side of things. And I completely get what he's trying to do there in the sense that, you know, he wants the players to feel like you know, to get the credit for, for everything that's going on, because obviously confidence and belief and all those sort of things help you uh, generate momentum and keep momentum going. But I think it is an interesting uh, story. That They brought in this guy. I don't know what way he's working. Arsenal refused to say or to give any specifics about how he's working. But whether it's with uh, individuals or on a, a group basis, I'm not quite sure. But it does feel, when you look at the squad this season, that there is certainly a resilience. Um, again, Arseninger was saying, look, you know, we're, we're more mature, we're more experienced, and, and that all plays a part. But if this guy can give it like 1% or 2% more, we don't look like we're freaked out anymore when we go behind, which is
2: fantastic. It's not, I suppose it's not just the psychological aspect, the physical aspect too. I mean, mm. Staffy's muscular injury is the first one for a while, it seems to me. And, you know, Chad Forsyth came in a couple of years ago. There have been big improvements on that side. It's funny, isn't it? Arsene Wenger, a bit loath to talk about perhaps that, you know, that change in mental strength mm. this morning. But in the past, it's been something he's talked up of sides who seem so much more mentally fragile. Um, I guess he just tailors his approach to to the needs of the team. If this is a tougher team, maybe it's more about emphasising their their quality.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. But, you know, part of the quality of, of a team or a group or even individual players, well, what maybe sets them apart from, you know, a talented player or a really, really good player could be your psychology or your ability to deal with difficult situations, that all those things uh, come together to build up the, well, I guess the, the overall profile of a player. So maybe we just have players at this moment in time who are not quite as fragile mentally. Um, You know, you think of some of the things, some of the players we've had in the past, and, you know, some really, really fantastic players, but as a group collectively, perhaps there was almost like uh post-traumatic stress disorder of all the things that have gone wrong in the past that sort of seemed to, to generate throughout the team. Um, and that doesn't appear to be there anymore, or at least uh, we've got players who can rise above that and, and drag the team with them.
2: Yeah, it does seem that way. And obviously that's uh, a, a welcome relief. I mean, as I say, we did start I, I don't know, I thought Stoke started pretty well actually I, yeah. I hate to say it, but they looked pretty good going forward, they looked like they'd come with a willingness to attack Arsenal uh, and it had us. Worried on a couple of occasions.
1: Yeah, they did play pretty well. I mean, they're a different sort of side now uh, than they used to be. You know, they're still physical, obviously. When you have someone like Charlie Adam in the team, um, they're still physical. They're still a bit long ball when you have someone like Charlie Adam in the team who wants to try and score from inside his own half at least once a game. Um, He tried that, I think, at the weekend as well. Even the Mm. it was about the one thing that Tony Gale on commentary got right. He goes, oh, there he goes again, having one of those. Um, you know uh, but they yeah I mean they did play pretty well Um, what what did you make of the penalty
2: so I I think I'm one of the few people who was sort of relatively understanding about the decision in that I I think that I I don't think that Shaka intended to throw his elbow into the guy's face but I think that when you see it from one side it it does look as if he raises it just as Alan comes in Mm. so like but I suppose my confusion then is if you think he's done that To then not give a card suggests that there is an element of doubt. Uh, But I think it would be given as a free kick in other areas of the field, probably. Mm. So it it might, on balance, be a foul. But I know you thought it it wasn't a penalty.
1: I thought it was completely accidental. Um, I don't think he. I think it's just the size of Xhaka and the size of Joe Allen. Uh, there's a there's a fairly uh, substantial difference there between the two of them. And I think just, you know, body moving and he threw his arms around. And maybe you should be a little more, um, I don't know what the word is, but maybe a little more careful. Circumpect, yeah, I mean, circumspect yeah. perhaps. But I don't think there was any intention to do it. And like you say, if the referee thinks it's a deliberate, a deliberate elbow, then he's got to give him a red card, I think. So I, I don't know. It was a, a strange, strange decision. Uh, to be honest
2: it's a bit unfortunate for Xhaka isn't it because he's kind of got this uh, reputation I mean I don't think this is a case where his reputation has preceded him so Mm. but uh, I I think he's got this reputation as a bit of a hothead and someone who you know I saw Kevin Kilbane on the BBC radio so uh, he said oh Xhaka does something stupid in every game and I'm not necessarily sure that this really qualifies as that Uh, I think even if it was a penalty, I still think it was unfortunate on Shaka's part.
1: Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a bit harsh, to be honest, that he does something yeah. stupid in every game. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think this was completely accidental. I think his defensive work is is, uh, is really good. He's not necessarily, he, he has his moments, doesn't he, where he has a little bit of a kick or he, he'll make a cynical foul, uh, as we saw when he got the red card, uh, earlier in the season, uh, still a ludicrous decision in my opinion, that red card. But mm. you know, he's, he's only got three yellow cards from 19 appearances. You know, Coquelin has five yellow cards. He's he's leading the way, but I mean, he, he's got as many yellow cards as as Mustafi. Um, so I don't think he's in any way a guy who who uh, acts stupidly or is a liability defensively in terms of uh, the amount of cards that he picks up. I think that's just something that people are saying in the media, and um I don't. People just accept these things without really thinking about them. I don't think it's true at all.
2: I have a, I have a horrible feeling that if it had been, you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying he would do it, but if it had been him rather than Charlie Adam who'd stamped on somebody because of he's got this kind of, you know, there's this easy line about him being a hothead, I'm sure it would have been picked up upon yeah, more I, than Adam was. But
1: know? how the fuck is Charlie Adam, like, for the 28th time in his career, doing something snide and uh, destructive to somebody? I mean, let's remember last season, he tried to pull Alexis Sanchez's head off and got away with it. How does he get away with it?
2: Well, I think, unfortunately, it's seems James purely... It seems to be purely because he's not high profile enough, don't you think? Like, if that had happened in Man City Chelsea last weekend and it had been, you know, David Luis or Sergio Aguero had done that stamp, it would have been picked up by Mm. Match of the Day. And it sounds ludicrous to say, but it does seem like Match of the Day kind of sets the agenda for what the FA pursue and don't pursue.
1: And they completely ignored it. So, um,
2: yeah. Maybe that says a lot. We're, we don't hold out. Yeah, we don't on. hold out much hope on Johnny no. facing any
1: repercussions. No, though. he should do though. He should do uh, even more than the uh, the ire of the Stoke fans. who must look at what he did and think. You know, you could have <laughs> you could have stopped that. Manchester City versus Monaco. The Champions League draw has started, James. It's Manchester ah. City versus Monaco. So wow. uh, Monaco weren't a team, obviously, that we could get. So uh, good, good for uh, good for Man City there. That's a decent draw for them.
2: Yeah, they'll be they'll be pleased with that.
1: Oh, Real Madrid versus Napoli making the likelihood of Arsenal Bayern Munich all the greater.
2: <laughs> I mean, I can feel it coming. I feel it in my waters. Mm.
1: I'm just watching uh, Twitter here and uh, I'm not watching the draw itself, but I'm just going to watch it that. on Twitter because yeah, I can I can't listen to that. So. You don't get the bald guy. It was the- a
2: bald referee this weekend. I mean, it's always we've said it before. It's always trouble for us a bald referee. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult to concentrate now, isn't it? Knowing that this Bayern Munich thing is imminent. Mm. Uh, But nevertheless, (laughs) let's 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 try. So uh, we got the equaliser before half time.
1: Yes, Theo Walcott got his tenth goal of the season, and um, with it, with it comes a a a coffee coffee machine. machine. Coffee machine. I mean, I think it's quite a nice little story that his wife is going to buy him a coffee machine. But there's also part of me. That says, "What is it, multimillionaire Theo Walcott, that has prevented you up to now from owning a coffee machine?" Why? I mean, yeah. I, I looked it up. I looked it up. Like he could get a, a pretty decent. Um, what was the brand name? Benfica versus Dortmund. That's uh, that's the next one that came out. A DeLonghi coffee maker, bean-to-cup okay. coffee maker, three hundred and ninety-nine euros. Theo Walker's earning about one hundred and forty. Thousand pounds a week, um, so that's about one hundred and forty thousand euros. Given the way that the exchange rates are at this moment in time, um, so he could have bought around three hundred and fifty of those
2: coffee machines every week if he'd wanted. So, yeah, I mean, uh, his his wife's going to be furious because it's so close to Christmas. Do you know what I mean? She probably was thinking, "Oh, oh that on a big day, oh,
1: no. no, for fuck's sake!"
2: No, you're joking. Yeah, no, seriously. Oh my, God. oh my God! Just what the... I mean, like f- right, that's it. Cancel the podcast. I'm out. I'm <laughs> fucking out of here. What
1: the fuck? Oh, oh God. God! I mean, Jesus. What is there to even funny. say?
2: What I don't man, know. I mean, <laughs> I hope you all booked is it this funny? morning. <laughs> I it's it's I'd buy an arsenal. I mean uh well look, you know, nice to see some familiar faces.
1: Yeah, I am really looking forward to seeing uh, Arian Robin again. That'll be great. Frank Ribbery, oh, a man who looks like he belongs face. on the side of a cathedral.
2: What a brilliant oh God. Yeah, it's not it's not great news, is it? I mean it's just that thing of Fuck <sighs> was it Rude Hollett? Is it Rude Hollett doing the draw? I don't know. Probably, well, it seems like something he would do. Sport Witness have just
1: uh, taken a, put up a snapshot on their Twitter. It looks like Rude, it Hullet. rude
2: Hullet. It is Rude Hullet. Yeah. Fuck you, Rude Hullet. Oh. Oh. So it's it, you know. It's just a little bit disappointing, isn't it? Because, it, you know, we we won the group and everything. Mm. We won the group, and this is our reward for it. I imagine Arsene Wenger just sat in his office in college, just banging his head against the desk, just yeah. like, you know, <laughs> repeatedly. No. What more can he do? Oh. Um, so who who hey,
1: who finished second? PSG. Yeah. Do we know who PSG have got yet?
2: Probably like I don't know. Accrington Stanley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, PSG have got Swindon. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. That great. Seems fair. Thanks oh
1: fucking hell
2: real blow real blow I mean you know entirely PSG have got Barcelona to be fair so All we are right, completely okay. fucked either way <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing uh, that is amazing it was it was only ever going to be Barca or Bayern
1: yeah 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 oh my god
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh wow
1: okay well look what can you do What can you do? You just got to like do better, do more.
2: Yeah, we, I, uh, (sighs) we've got to beat them. I guess
1: that's it. I mean,
2: are they any? Are they? Are they worse? Are they worse without Pep? Are they worse under Ancelotti? I must confess, I don't. I don't particularly know. I know that Leipzig have been running them close in the Bundesliga. mm. I don't know what well, they were second in their group, weren't they? So yeah, I mean they're they're certainly beatable. They lost to um, who
1: was it the other week? Leicester and Sevilla. Wow, that's a good trip for Leicester fans. Um, let me just see if I can find out what's what's their form like this season. Uh, Bayern Munich. Boom, boom, boom. It's going to get up here. Uh, results and matches. And, uh, yeah, they've uh, pretty much won every game. Um,
2: they've lost... I think they've lost one. They've they? in lost the th-
1: three times in total. Uh, twice in the Champions League. Uh, once to Atletico Madrid and once to Rostov. And they were beaten once in the Bundesliga uh, by Dortmund. So,
2: you know... We must follow the Rostov template.
1: Exactly. Exactly. They did look quite dodgy against Rostov, I have to say. But maybe oh, that really? was just an off night, you know? Um, well, there you go. I guess we just sort of put it to the back of our minds uh, until February.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to put it quite far in the back of mine. <laughs> I might put it
1: way lower down than that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to stow it away and try and enjoy Christmas and mm. then, you know, come back to it Um I'll, I'll, I'll probably get through January as well because January can be quite a bleak month, you know. Yeah. So I don't want to be thinking about that. That then, yeah. uh, let's address it in in Feb.
1: Let's do uh, that. Well, look, I hope everybody enjoyed that uh, that exciting Champions League draw. Surprising, yeah.
2: big know. news. Uh, if if you can consider it news, I'm not mm. sure. I'm not sure it is. Um, but what we're you talking about? Oh, Theo Walcott's um, coffee machine. Stoke. Theo Walcott's coffee machine. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, look, good luck to him with his Nespresso, whatever he's getting... Ten goals, and, and funnily enough, I mean, I know Mustafi going off was obviously a big, big blow. But had he not, maybe Hector Bellerin wouldn't have conjured the equaliser in the way that he did.
1: Well, he certainly wouldn't have if he had been a on, trick, on the pitch wouldn't it? from yeah. the bench. Yeah, yeah, you know, it would have been against the rules of the game uh, to field twelve <laughs> players. But yeah, I mean, he he did make a difference. You know, I think Gabriel's done all right out there. But the minute Bellerin came on, we just had a threat down the right hand side, and you could see he was a little bit rusty at times. Some of his crossing and some of his decision making was not uh, the greatest, but you know, he came on, he made the goal for Walcott, he made a great chance for Oxlade-Chamberlain just before half time as well. And he just is such a, is such a force down that, that right-hand side. Very, very tidy finish indeed from Theo.
2: Yeah, it was. He, he steered that in extremely well because he was outside of the post, wasn't he? I mean, it's one of those uh, mm. slightly tricky ones. but And a really good pass as well, I thought, from Alexis in the build-up, you know. Yeah. I think that's what he offers you when he plays centrally not only is he the goal threat when he drops deeper he can he can split a defence with a great ball like that so mm. it was a, a a massive goal really it didn't it didn't necessarily feel to me at least in the stadium like it was coming i was thinking oh this might be one we've got to get to half time and regroup but mm. the, the, you know team showed really good spirits. But were, we were said, you were know, you and,
1: worried especially or panicking or You know, sometimes we've gone behind and I go, oh, God, you know, we're not playing. Like, I don't see how we're going to score, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I I wasn't that worried, to be honest. I I felt confident that we could do it. Have you been working with
2: a psychologist? I have. Yeah, yeah.
1: I have. It (laughs) says ignore everything, everything you've ever known about Arsenal and, and pretend like they're really, really good at all times. No, I mean, right. I, it, I, you can see it in the side this season. You can just mm. see that there's something, and it feels like there's something about the team this season, and it's not always going to work. You know, I think the the point about coming from behind to take points in a game for, I think it was the sixth time, I don't think we've won all six, but we've certainly come from behind uh, to take something from a game, whether it's a draw or a win, you know, that's great. And it does show fantastic uh, character and resilience and mental strength and maturity and all those things the other thing you'd say about that though is you'd stop going behind as much
2: yeah that would be nice wouldn't it that Still would be better That keep be some clean better. sheets yeah. that would be lovely yeah um, but I mean in terms of timing the goals were perfect because you had that one just before half time and then not long after a Meza Ozil goal that I I really enjoyed I loved that goal
1: yeah it was a beautiful yeah. beautiful header lovely ball from Oxlain Chamberlain great run from from Ozil uh, from deep again he sort of uh, saw the gap and and uh, had the desire to get into that um, position. Great ball in from Oxley Chamberlain and a really beautiful finish.
2: Yeah, uh, and as I don't know if you've seen on the replays, but he he literally points. He's like, "There, play the ball there," and then he, <laughs> he runs into the space. And it's a yeah, a really really nice header. I mean, he he scored uh, a, a looped header for us before. I think it was against Norwich. I remember it, it was, you know, floating over the keeper into the far corner. Right, but he he um. Yeah, a, a brilliant contribution and just a, a lovely goal. And then the second half really was a, a bit of a different story, wasn't it? I thought that with a couple of, with the exception of a couple of hairy moments, one involving Peter Crouch, you know, we were we were much better. I thought in mm. that half.
1: Yeah, it was a big save from uh, Cech, uh mm. at two one. Uh, to uh Crouch had just come on and sort of rampaged his way around to the back post for a corner and nobody quite knew what to do with him at that point and it was a very, very big save from Czech and I thought what was interesting as well was like almost immediately after um almost immediately after that save we went up and scored the third goal mm. you know, so it, it, we had moments in the game where we took advantage of them being a little bit wasteful I think that maybe was it the first goal? maybe it was the first goal that they had a chance up the other end Um, and from there we went up and equalised so it came you know after we denied them or they'd been wasteful um, you know we punished them for it and we punished them for it again uh, with the third goal and obviously punished Charlie Adam for being a stupid fat fuck
2: yeah well that's it absolutely worthwhile Um, and I think what was I going to say my mind's just gone completely blank. I'm, if I'm honest with you, I'm still thinking about Bayern Munich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do I, you, what um, do
1: you, I mean, how do you envision Bayern Munich? If you know, if you think about them, do you, do you like see them as sort of an old man
2: wearing white fronts? I think I see them as a bit like the the ring wraiths from Lord of the Rings. You know, the the sort of guys in cloaks. Oh, guys yeah. in cloaks. Yeah. Right. I sort of, they have that kind of ominous. Feel to me, <laughs> um, but you know, I'm as I said, February. Let's just. Knuckle down. We've still got a podcast to do. We've yeah. got Lives to lead. <laughs> 2016 has topped itself at this Champions League draw. I was like, what else has 2016 got left? Of course.
1: Don't, don't do it. Don't say it. It'll just throw <laughs> off something else even worse than all the other stuff that's already happened. So we we'll just, just try and ignore the rest of 2016 if we can, if we can possibly do that. But look, a 3-1 win overall, it sent us top of the table, uh, albeit temporarily and elsewhere in the Premier League this weekend results went more or less our way. Obviously, Chelsea are looking quite ominous. Nine wins uh, on the bounce now for them. Uh, Diego Costa scoring the goal to beat West Brom. But, uh, you know, Manchester City got smashed to pieces. That was amazing. Did you watch that? I didn't watch it, but I I saw it on Match of the Day. Didn't watch it when it was happening. But, um, wow, I mean, Leicester came back to life and City were terrible. The two things, you know, worked very well
2: on the day. It was great. I mean, the, the, there was an assist from Riyad Mahrez in that game that was so, so... Great. Uh, one, like, perfectly weighted pass for Vardy, who sprung... I mean, you know, I think we were talking about him last week on the podcast saying how, how bad a season he's had. seems like we uh, kind of brilliantly reverse jinxed him at just the right time. Yeah, Tim Tim
1: from Ars to Mouse was talking about it on the ArsCast on Friday as well. So, uh, yeah. yeah, between all of us, uh, we're, we're sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. We've r- uh, risen Jamie Vardy from the dead. Yeah, that was uh, absolutely beautiful touch, wasn't it? The long ball over yeah. the top and he just sort of cushioned it with his... I think with his right foot as well. Vardy, oh, yeah, is uh, is foot. a left footed yeah. player, but with his right foot, just uh, dropped it into the path of Vardy, went around the keeper. Um, I'm not quite sure what, what Guardiola is, is doing. I'm a little bit concerned that he might figure it out though before, <laughs> before we come and play them. Like he's got to be now in sort of full on panic mode. Um, I don't know if you ever read the book. Um, was it? Confidential and how he he sits and he plans and he makes you know he looks at everything. He's going to be like locked in his attic office for you know twenty four hours a day when he's not in the training ground. You know, trying to figure out a way of making uh, Pablo Zabaleta and uh, color off central defenders.
2: Um, it, it's all it's all very strange, but. Um the one, the one consolation is that they have got a game in between now and when they play us. Mm. So, you know, Watford on Wednesday night might take the brunt of it. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I mean, look, we should be... I was watching that game thinking, look at the way John Stones is struggling under pressure here from Vardy. I mean, imagine Alexis Sanchez coming at him like that. Yeah. With, you know, There really is something to mm. take heart from there for, for Arsenal fans. And I think we should be going to the Etihad, hopefully on Sunday... Confident that we can score goals against this team because as good as they are going forward, and they don't have Aguero at the moment, mm. and they're a mess at the back, a real mess. Mm. Yeah, well, hopefully we can take advantage of that. Obviously, though, we've got a
1: game against Everton tomorrow night. Um, so I, I also lost this weekend. Yeah, they lost three two to to Watford, and they weren't very good at all. I was watching that one uh, on Saturday morning or early Saturday afternoon. They they weren't great at all. Uh, you know, which is concerning because I don't like when teams. Uh, get, get a beating because they, they sort of go into the next game with a bit more resolve and a bit more determination. Um, but, you know, you you would, given our away form, given the way we're playing, given the, the goals that we've got throughout this team. I and mean, it's interesting, Alexis hasn't scored in the last two games and we've got how many goals? Uh, seven goals? You know, yeah. so um, th- the goals are coming from all over. So... You would be relatively confident going into the Everton game that we can we can get a good result. I mean, would you think about many changes?
2: Um, I, I might make a couple of changes, but uh, nothing too dramatic. I mean, obviously there's one enforced in the back four uh, with Mustafi coming out, so you'd think Bellerin would come straight back in, and that would that would be that. Mm. I thought Shaka and Coquelin did. Really well. Yeah, uh, we talked about Xhaka earlier, but I thought Cockleham was very good too uh, against Stoke. So I'd probably want to keep them in place. Although I guess there's an opportunity to rotate if if you need with Elneny who's available. Mm. I, I personally wouldn't do that. Um, I guess the flanks might be the area you'd look at. You know, Alexis came off relatively early against Stoke, presumably with Tuesday in mind. But. Uh, You've got Oxley chamberlain Annie Iwobi who are both in good form. You've got Lucas Perez as well mm. who didn't get on the pitch at the weekend despite a hat-trick in midweek the previous week. So if you're going to change it, I guess those wide attacking positions would be the one for me. Would you, would you make any switches?
1: Um, I'd be quite tempted to to stick as much as possible, to be honest, because it's working. Um, mm. Like you say, you've got you've got options on the bench. I think Oxlade-Chamberlain deserves to keep his place on the left. I think Walcott, after scoring, uh, should keep his place on the right. Alexis is definitely going to start up front. Um obviously behind them. Jacques and Coquelin worked very well. Uh, unless there's some sort of aches or strains there, then I don't see why you would change that. Elneny is, uh, you know, good Good backup if you need him. Aaron Ramsey won't be available, so he's not really a consideration. And at the back, um, yeah, I don't think much changes apart from Bellerin uh, going to right back, and I think Gabriel will get the nod at, at centre half ahead of ahead of Rob Holding. So we'll just see if they can they can keep that momentum going. Fingers crossed.
2: Did you see, did you see uh, match of the day? Did you see Ian Wright talking about Alex Oxlade Chamberlain? Mm. I found it really bizarre he He was kind of saying, Oh, he feels like ox is sort of struggling and not getting enough chances, but it seems a odd timing for that because it seems like to me right now he's getting a run in the side and and taking his opportunity very well
1: yeah, I think what he you said something about how um how he was frustrated not playing ninety minutes. Mm. or he appeared to be frustrated not playing for 90 minutes. Arsene Megan was asked about that, actually, at the press conference today. And what he said was something along the lines of, look, um, wide players like Oxlade-Chamberlain, like... Theo Walcott, the demands these days on, on in those positions are extremely high because you've got to get up and down the pitch, you've got to attack, you've got to defend, you've got to produce, you know. So physically, it's a very demanding role to play. And I think what he's doing, um, he says you're more likely to be substituted if you're playing in a wide position than if you're playing at centre-half, which makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense. And I think what he's doing is he's he's trying to keep things fresh. When he brought Oxley chamberlain off for Iwobi, you're going okay. Well, Oxley Chamberlain's been playing pretty well, but he puts on a Wobi who's fresh, and then scores the third goal. And what it means, perhaps, is that you have a slightly fresher Oxley Chamberlain who hasn't done the full ninety, who's still there and can produce and do the same sort of thing against Everton on uh, tomorrow night. You know, so I think he's he's managing oxlade Chamberlain's managing his wide players to try and make them or keep them as effective as possible. So I, I think Oxlade-Chamberlain this season has certainly made a big step forward. He's being trusted by the manager. He's got, I think, 11 starts and 10 substitute appearances, six goals, five assists. You know, I, I don't think he can be anything other than completely and utterly happy with his season, particularly as he's missed so much football through injury and he's, he's, um, his development has definitely been hindered by the fact that he 's been injured he 's had a you know a good long run now in the side and he 's producing because of that so i don 't think he can i don't think he's in any way frustrated he doesn 't look to me like a guy who's frustrated he celebrate uh, celebrated his uh, assist uh, for uh, for Mesut Ozil, um looked uh, quite happy with his lot um, with his teammates and everything else so i i, I 't really see that that 's an issue
2: yeah and I also think you know you mentioned his career having been interrupted by injuries maybe there's an element of that you know Arsene Wenger probably wants to protect him a little bit still you know mm. and, and make sure he doesn't overplay him and overexpose him given all the fitness problems he's had in the past so yeah I, I don't think there's anything to that i actually agree that he's turned a bit of a corner um and you know he's on a a very, very good run at the moment. I hope he starts a good part.
1: Mm. All right. Well, look, we're going to take a break here now because we've been uh, waffling for a while. We're going to come back in part two where we answer the questions you sent to us uh, right after this. Mother's Day is around the corner.
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Welcome back to the ArsCast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer the questions that you send to us on Twitter, at GunnerBlog and at ArseBlog, and also on the ArseBlog Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the ArseBlog. Before we uh, start on the questions, a question for you, James. Did you see the video of the chaps? Who broke into the stadium and climbed up on the roof?
2: I haven't seen it actually. I've I've noticed it, but they. I mean, that sounds terribly dangerous. I certainly won't be attempting that any time soon.
1: No, no, it's um, yeah, it's all those uh, guys who climb on things and then film themselves with a you know GoPro, looking down as they walk across a ledge. My stomach just goes like, yeah, terrifying. Yeah, I, I got an email from the Daily Star actually. Uh, who says, uh, I've seen footage of two young boys breaking into the Emirates. They go all over the stadium and up on the roof. Obviously, a big breach of security. We're running the story tomorrow in the Daily Star, as it's particularly topical with the bombings in Turkey. Obviously, London is on high alert for terrorism, and we've been repeatedly told that football stadiums are a target. I've been looking for a comment from a prominent Arsenal fan-slash-organization and thought you might be
2: suitable. I mean... That's extraordinary.
1: (laughs) So I replied saying, hi, thanks very much, but no, this isn't something I'd be interested in contributing to. So, (laughs) I mean, what the fuck?
2: I think you did the right thing. Yeah. Uh, Wow. I mean, is there any suggestion that these guys on the roof have any untoward intentions? No, I just think
1: they like to climb shit. They're just kids who like to fucking climb stuff that you're not supposed to climb, you know? That's it. Yeah, well,
2: that's kids for you.
1: That's what they do. That's what they do. (laughs) Um, I mean there's a high margin of error for that kind of pastime you know
2: yeah uh, it's it's too high risk for me certainly.
1: yeah it's like those wingsuit guys you know the guys that ju- you know they jump off a cliff and they've got the wingsuit and they skim yeah. across the ground and they skim across the trees and they go you know between crevices and rocks and stuff and it looks amazing it's almost like man has the power of flight but like how many guys you can do that I mean I uh, how many of them just get splattered in the learning oh, process? There must be loads of them.
2: I think that about loads of things, though. I always think that about the pole vault. I always wonder about the first time you have a go at it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're running up to this thing, and then you've got to stick the pole in the ground and go 20 feet in the air. It's like, do they start you with a small pole, like a broom, <laughs> and <laughs> and you have to get over that? And then do you increase the size of the pole? Are you a are you a high jumper who switches to then use a pole? I don't know. It always troubles me that
1: that is a good one actually. That is a good one Mm. because that's again you could do yourself some serious damage there if the pole went you know you went up in the air and you didn't go onto the mat bit and just sort of flop backwards. That would be my fear of doing the pole vault is you run up and you go and then just goes straight back the way you came and land on your head,
2: or the pole gives way at the base you know it slips Mm. or I don't know. I don't know. There seems to be a million things. Mm. I don't think pole vaulters get enough credit.
1: Do you You think that perhaps there is like a graveyard of of would-be pole vaulters that they keep hidden from anybody who's interested in becoming a pole vaulter? Just don't tell them about all the deaths.
2: There's hundreds of them every year. I think that's true, but I think that the poles are made of the bones of those dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> they ground down and turned into the poles. That's the, that's the dark secret that's underlying the sport.
1: Oh, well, well, look, at scary stuff. Um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, but don't break into the Emirates Stadium and climb it, people. That's that's not... No. no. no.
2: We, we will go on record with that.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. No, right, Okay.
2: Uh, shall we have a question?
1: Yeah, what if someone tried to pole vault over the Emirates? <laughs> <laughs> like he's out of a massive pole.
2: And it's their first pole vaulting yeah. attempt as yeah. well. Oh uh, that would be amazing.
1: Someone that Photoshop that for us, please, folks. <laughs> exactly.
2: A massive pole. Yeah, let's have a question. You, you, can, you can go first. Like Christian Bielik. Okay, <laughs> let's have... Uh... OK, well, I had some. I had some, but they've all... OK, this one's good. Guna Saray. And he says, uh, do you think Petr Cech will ever save a penalty? He almost looks like he can't be bothered to even dive. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, there were a few questions about that. Um, yeah, he doesn't seem to be a great penalty stopper. You know, so, Almunia, for example, was a really good penalty saver. Um, mm. so would you trade off Al well, clapped, Yeah. So I, <laughs> I mean that's the thing oh, would you trade goodness, off yeah. um penalty saving abilities for Pedric's all-round goalkeeping abilities I'm I'm not mm. sure that you would you know um, maybe he's just saving it up till it's like a really important one he's going can't be Ars wasting a penalty save against Stoke we're already too good for these we'll come back and we'll beat them uh, but maybe when there's a really important game he might just might just step it up but I think it's, we're in the realms of uh, Francis Coquelin goals here. Petr Cech penalty saves and Francis Coquelin goals, you know,
2: they're imagine rare. Imagine if that, that happens in the same game. It, wow. It, imagine if Petr Cech saves a penalty, the ball rebounds and Coquelin, you know, dribbles it up the whole pitch and smashes it in from 30 yards. I don't know what would happen. I think I'd explode.
1: Well, you would be on massive drugs True. for that to be happening.
2: <laughs> True, true, true. But Holy is it seconds. like... Go on. Is it actually a flaw in Czech's game? Like, I mean, the thing is, goalkeepers aren't expected to save penalties, are mm. they, really?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. But, you know, having a good penalty stopper or somebody who's good at penalties can perhaps put a little bit of doubt in the mind of of uh, of uh, the penalty taker, I guess. But, you know, really, it is... Some people will say there's a skill to it but like I I think really that most penalties are misses rather than saves you know like when a penalty is it's very rarely down to the quality of the save it's mostly down to the how poor the penalty is does that make sense
2: yeah it's the the responsibility that you should score basically yeah it's a fucking
1: free shot and a big wide goal Against you know a guy from twelve yards and you're a professional footballer, just fucking lash it in there, mate, none of your fucking bollocking around, just put just hit it hard and into the corner, and no goalkeeper can stop it. Just do that it's easy. practice mm. it if you can't, and if you can't do that, leave it for f- someone who can
2: i just uh, by the way, I was just sort of daydreaming. I just sort of woke up from a nightmare, I had this weird sense that in the in the first half of the show. Uh, We got drawn against Bayern Munich again in the Champions League.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'd forgotten about that. You had to remind me.
2: (laughs) Um, Oh, oh, dear. Should we have another question? Yeah,
1: speaking of goalkeepers, uh, Damien at Damien AFC, he says, should refs stamp out time-wasting more,
2: Stokekeeper was taking the piss. He was a little bit, wasn't he? I mean, uh, until they went behind. I think they do have to come down on it quicker. I think there's, there's no point warning someone, is there? There's no point warning a goalkeeper too many times. I think you might as well book him earlier.
1: Absolutely, right? yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of the fucking yellow cards. Yeah. That's, a, that's the warning, is a yellow card. Not like, listen, just quiet word here. No, you have a yellow card, use it. Um, I, I think there's as frustrating as it is when a goalkeeper does that. I think there's something quite hilarious about watching the same goalkeeper introduce a measure of urgency to his goal kicks when they're behind. Oh, you hilarious! Know, I yeah. do, I do enjoy that a great deal, um, particularly when it's a very deliberate tactic, the way it was with Stoke. Because even before they went ahead, they were they were taking their time with all the goal kicks. Um, so yeah, I think referees, when it becomes quite obvious that a goalkeeper is wasting time, the first thing they should do is book them, not a warning, not a quiet word. Take out the yellow card, and it will just uh, it it gets rid of that problem because he can't then uh, dilly-dally over a a goal kick, uh, regardless of what the scoreline is. So that's how you stop it.
2: Have you ever seen a goalkeeper sent off for doing it twice?
1: I can't remember. No.
2: See, I I wonder if that's what it will take to happen, really, for a goalkeeper to actually be given a second yellow card for continually time-wasting. I I wonder if it's one of those where it's like, that would be Mm. the thing that woke people up and stopped it happening. I mean, obviously... I mean, it would be incredible to see, wouldn't it? People would be up in arms. But if you keep pushing in a lark, eventually you should be punished for it. I agree.
1: I agree completely.
2: Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think it's all about mate, getting the yellow card out sooner, really. But there's nothing mm. funnier than a goalie who's been taking his time, dawdling, moving from one side of the penalty to the other, suddenly, you know, scrabbling to try and get <laughs> the kick out as quickly as possible.
1: Oh, now, look, you can move at more than fucking half a mile an yeah. hour. Ah, isn't that something? Fuckers. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Absolutely. I I like that, and I like the the way that happened on uh, on Saturday against Stokes. So yeah, but yeah, more yellow cards, more quickly. I think is the solution.
2: Okay, uh, let's have a question. This is from Joshua Kennedy. This is on Ursula um, and Sanchez. I feel that like that's like kind of the theme of the podcast over this you know few months, isn't it? I feel mm-hmm. like it's going to run and run. It's kind of the subplot that's running through our season. He says if Ursula and Sanchez refuse to sign. Would you keep them until the end of their contracts, considering they'd be in their prime at the cost of replacements? Because Aston Vega, of course, intimated this week that if they chose not to sign, mm. he would keep them at the club until 2018. Would you? What do you think about um,
1: that? I, I think I'm so bored with this Ozil and Sanchez contract stuff that I can't even formulate an answer for that. And that's not to be in any way disrespectful to the guy who sent in the question. I just feel like it's become the overriding narrative of our season Mm. is like, and I understand. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand it. I desperately want both of them to stay. And I understand why there's fear and everything else. But I just, he he was asked about it today again in his press conference. And he was like, I just can't just not going to answer this anymore is basically what what he said. Um, I think it's obvious what the club want to do. I think it's obvious what the club need to do. Uh, I think the the situation uh, that the players have a tremendous uh, strong hand, I guess you would say, if you we were using a, a poker analogy, they've got a very, very strong hand uh, because of all the, the various things coming together. Um, would I keep them both... Like, I mean, this is opposed to sort of selling them next summer? I guess so, yeah. I think I would keep them both, yeah, because maybe you can convince them to stay in that final 12 months. You know, mm. maybe that's, I mean, you remember Theo Walcott was less than six months left on his contract. He could have signed a, a pre-contract with a, a team in Europe if he'd wanted to, but use that situation to get, at the time, what was a, a, a very, very good deal financially from Arsenal that maybe you, you would argue he didn't necessarily deserve. But because of what had gone on at the time after Fabregas leaving, after Nasri leaving, after Van Persie leaving, Arsenal just could not afford to let another player of that stature go. So it, it's all part of the negotiation process. And this winding down of the, the contract is part of the negotiation process. And I think um, unless you get a ridiculous offer and you're quite sure that neither of them are going to to sign... If they tell you outright, no, I'm not going to sign, then maybe you sell them and use the money to try and replace them. But otherwise, just keep them because they're so fucking good. And I think what we, we're, we're in danger of letting the whole contract thing uh, obscure how good they are and how great they are to watch this season. That's, that's the thing. It's so completely out of our hands that, I don't know, we can worry. But what's the point in talking about it all the time?
2: I think it's interesting as well that you know I've seen so many pundits in the past couple of weeks talking about how important it is that Arsenal keep Mesut Ozil and what a great player he is, and I feel like those are the same pundits who were criticising him, you know, not too long ago, and you know, questioning his his validity as an Arsenal player and, and his worth against his salary. Now those very same people are saying they've got to pay him double. Um, You're talking about Neil Ashton, of course. Primarily, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know how much you read into the whole sort of football league stuff, but if you, if you dig through that, it seems like Mesut Erzl was already earning a lot of money indeed from Arsenal when you include his image rights and mm. things like that, substantially more than perhaps we had anticipated. Um, anyway, I agree with you that it's, it is, it has become, uh, well, it could become quite poisonous actually, couldn't it? If it's there the whole time, you know, it's sort of, it's funny. People aren't really talking about Arsene Wenger's future anymore. It's so much about these two players. Um, And I I think, really, the shame is that it's partially obscuring what they're doing on the pitch, which is the most exciting thing. That's exactly
1: it. I mean, I don't know what people expect Arsene Wenger to say every fucking time there's a press conference they're asking him the same question. And what can he say other than... Look, we keep it in-house, we keep it private, and negotiations are ongoing. You know, it's clear that Arsenal want both players to stay. And it's about finding a package that works. But until then, like, there's just no point in asking the same question over and over and over again, expecting anything other than, look, let's not talk about it anymore. So I think just fucking watch them and enjoy them because they're brilliant and they're, they're having such a, a, a tremendous impact on our season and the way we're playing, and the results we're getting, and the football we're playing. Like, just enjoy that for the moment. And then whatever happens with the contracts, we can worry about it in June next year. Worry about it at the end of the season, you know, if nothing is done and dusted between now and then. But until then, just just no point.
2: In answer to the question, of course, I would keep them as long as possible. Mm. I I love watching them play. Um, I don't think, I can't see the club leaving a hundred million pounds of talent, you know, to, to go for free. But uh, we you know we'll cross that bridge mm. as you say. We'll, get, we'll think about buying in February and the contracts in June.
1: Indeed. All right. Here's a question from Facebook from Thomas Loser or Loser. It probably isn't pronounced loser.
2: Don't no. <laughs> well probably he probably asked for it to not be,
1: yeah. I should imagine. Okay, so Thomas wants to know could a possible arrival of Drexler have a similar effect to that of one Jose Antonio Reyes in our last title winning season or would it cause too much competition up top? Of course, Draxler has been told he can leave Wolfsburg. Uh, things have broken down between him and the club uh, very considerably. He wanted to leave during the summer. He wasn't allowed. And I think, uh, you know, from what we can gather, he's been acting the maggot a little bit. And, uh, the, the, the relationship between player and club is completely broken down. So it looks like he could be available for a January transfer. What say you?
2: I, I say, yes, please. I love a January transfer. And I think, you know, we don't desperately need him. We don't desperately need a player in that position, but we didn't desperately need Jose Reyes either. And it did have a positive impact, albeit for quite a short time, um, Uh, So, if Arsene Wenger thinks he could be the guy, he could be useful to us, and Wolfsburg are willing to get rid at a reasonable price, then why not? I think Iwobi's been good on the left, Oxlade-Chamberlain's been good on the left, both in patches, uh, but neither so convincing that you wouldn't think, oh, maybe maybe we could improve there with Draxler. So Mm. I'd be intrigued, definitely. What about you?
1: I don't know. I don't know. Um...
2: Do you worry about destabilising the squad? I mean, we've got a lot of attacking well, players. Well, yeah,
1: you think about it. You know, there's Oxo Chamberlain, there's Awobi, there's Alexis who can play on the left as well. You know, if we play a more traditional striker like Giroud up front, Danny Welbeck's on his way back, there's Lucas Perez. Um,
2: I think, I, I think many, I, Danny Welbeck from the left is something that we might see... A fair bit of, if he can mm. regain fitness, you know, in the yeah. second half of the season, because he's very good in in those wide areas, and he tracks back, and he's got the speed to interlink with Alexis. And a front three of Welbeck, Alexis, and Walcott, you know, it's got an awful lot of pace and, and power in it. I'd be I'd be fascinated to see how that would work.
1: Yeah, I mean, Arsene Wenger's already spoken about how some players are frustrated because they're not getting enough playing time. Uh, I think if you add another body to the squad and you bring back some injured players that becomes more of an issue. And I, while we all love a really big squad and, a, uh, you know, having all these options, it's not easy to keep them all happy. You can't have really good players sitting on the bench every week and expect them to be happy or to want to stay because they want to go somewhere else and, and play play regular football. So I think, you know, for the first time, it doesn't look like a squad that's necessarily short. If Arsene Winger believes that Draxler would significantly improve his team and he's available for a decent price... Maybe. We know he's a big fan, but uh, I do wonder perhaps if the way that Draxler has behaved might be a consideration. Uh, It Mm -hmm. does seem like he's um, behaved a bit badly here uh, with Wolfsburg. So whether that's something he'd take into consideration, whether that's, you know, is it more hassle than it's worth? What if he starts acting up at Arsenal? It seems a fairly harmonious uh, group of players. I don't know. I don't know. I would be really surprised, I'd be really surprised if we bought him. In January.
2: Yeah, I definitely would too. I mean, I, I was sort of, you know, when we first talked about it just then, I got quite excited, probably because I was quite keen to put the whole Alexis Erzl thing to the back of my mind. But mm. I, the more I think about it, the more I wonder if I'm being greedy, if my eyes my eyes are bigger than my squad, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I, like, it, it is difficult to see that there's room. If Arson really believes that people like Danny Welbeck, Luke like are going to be a part of his squad moving forward over the couple of years, then maybe maybe there isn't room for a mm. guy like Draxler. I don't know. I mean, he's not been setting the world alight at Wolfsburg.
1: No, he hasn't. He got 10 goals last season. He's got one goal this season. And, uh, you know, that's obviously because he hasn't been playing quite as, quite as much. Um, so he's a guy who obviously is a player of big, big potential and somebody that everybody was raving about. But, you know, oh, two goals the previous season um what did he have the, the season before that uh let's see here five goals you know that's for for club and country so you know it's difficult to make a case that he's somebody who would come in and immediately make a huge difference to us in terms of what he can produce again though maybe you put him in a better team etc cetera, etc cetera, um he, he might start to realize his potential but you know uh i i, I just can't see it can't see it happening
2: mm. Well, no, I I think it will be a quiet January for Arsenal. Mm. Uh, Unless, you know, I mean, touch wood, hopefully injuries don't strike and force uh, Arsenal into the market. Uh, Let's have a question. This is Sebastian Angberg on Twitter, at AngbergNR1. Uh, And they ask, who do you trust more at centre-back, Rob Holding or Gabriel Pallister?
1: Who do I trust more? Um, That's a good question.
0: Hmm
1: because I think Gabrielle has been a bit error prone but as good as Rob Holding has been we haven't necessarily seen a great deal of him though everything I've seen from Rob Holding I've liked there was that little error wasn't there in the Champions League game against Basel yeah um I, I mean, don't
2: think I, that was the worst thing necessarily, though, because you know, no. the, the, if it was four 0 up and he made a mistake, and if and he should learn from that, you know, it was a he overplayed really. Yeah, if there's a um, good
1: mistake to make or a good time to make a mistake, that was it.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, who do I trust more? Um, I d- I don't know. It's it's really difficult. I think Arsene Wenger is going to play Gabriel against it's Everton too, but I wouldn't be. In any way discombobulated if he played Rob Holding either, I th- he, d- he looks really calm and assured for a guy who last year was playing Championship football. Looks really calm. Um, so, on that basis, ah, fuck, I don't know. I can't. I can't say necessarily because we've the 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 data set as you were for a Rob Holding is too small. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Gabriel. L- Looks like a player who's, who's perhaps found a little bit of confidence and belief again.
2: Yeah, do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me a little bit of Nacho Monreal when he switched to play centre back, and it, it could have been a really challenging thing for him. Mm. But in it, in some ways, it, it was kind of the making of him. And we don't know yet that that's going to be the case with Gabriel. But the way he the way he adapted to playing at right back, and you know, I think he did. He wasn't incredible, but he did all right considering it. It's not his natural game. Mm. Uh, I just wonder if that might give him that lift or that bit of confidence, and he can take that back into playing at centre half. Because um, I thought, you know, he he coached relatively well against Stoke in that position when he when he made the switch, and I think he will play a good spot. I think as as promising as Rob Holding's been, I think Arsene tends to favour experience when it comes to his back four.
1: Mm. Yeah. I think he'll go with Gabriel, but, you know, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. Maybe he might decide Hector Bellerin playing again so soon mm. might be an issue as well. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see with that one. Okay, here's one from Mark Ledsome, at Ledsome Mark. And he says, uh, to Mark, his 100th career goal, what is slash are your favorite
2: Theo Walcott goals? Oh, crikey. Favorite Theo Walcott goals. Uh, well, the first one that springs to mind is... <laughs> it's the one he scored at uh, Stamford Bridge in the 5-3 victory, <laughs> uh, where he fell over. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah.
1: He fell over and everyone stopped and he just got up and kept going, yeah.
2: Yeah, and it was a very good finish after that point. He slipped mm. into the air and smashed it past... I think it was Pettit in the Chelsea goal. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, I'm trying to think of of others can do any spring to my particular Well, I mean the, there
1: was the one the Newcastle one again where he fell over. It oh, was a yeah. sort of a dribbly one. I think he got a hat it's trick a that day. Special move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's fallen over shit. Are you all right, Theo? Aha! Um <laughs> but I I liked uh, obviously liked the goal that he scored in the FA Cup final. That was a, that was a nice goal. And I remember hmm. one it's probably I can't remember who it was against. It's 5 years ago uh, thereabouts I would say. Maybe more. European game, away from home, and we moved the ball from deep and set him free sort of down the inside left channel. You know the way Thierry Henry used to to, to head towards goal uh, from that angle. And uh, his pace took him away from the defenders. He ran into, well, I think almost to the box. I remember thinking at the time, ooh, he's taking this a bit early. And it was one of those sort of curled finishes with the inside of the foot um, you know, where you sort of pass it by the goalkeeper. But it looked at the time as if it just w- wouldn't have enough pace to go past him. But he just sort of curled it just beyond him. It was a really lovely goal. So I, that one sticks in my mind. I can't remember who it was. Somebody will uh, remind me of that, no doubt, on Twitter after they've listened to this. Yeah, so that's that's, that's one of my faves.
2: That, uh, there was, I mean, his first Arsenal goal was pretty good in the uh, charity shit. The, the, the Carlin- what was it called Carling Cup <laughs> mm. oh the final yeah, yeah too soon as well. too soon James too soon too soon <laughs> um, but yeah I mean you know he's not necessarily a scorer of great goals is he he's sort of someone who I mean I, mean, I feel like he scores the same goals a lot <laughs>
1: I think he scored I think he's, he scored some pretty brilliant goals he's like uh, he's got a, quite a whack on him when he really connects with it he can hit them from distance too um I think he I think if someone puts together a compilation you will see that there's some pretty brilliant goals in there. That be.
2: Yeah. I feel in, in my head I'm like there are two kinds of Theo Walcott goals. The one there's the one in the left-hand channel where he opens his body out like Thierry Henry and yeah. then there's the one in the right where he goes uh, sort of across the the goalkeeper and they they kind of mainly divide <laughs> into into those two but yeah. he has got more variety to the, to his game than that. You're right. And he's developed uh, an ability, to kind of, to score more poachery goals, like he did mm. at the weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah, true. Popping up in that centre forward position, uh, even mm. though he's not a centre forward. Um, but yeah, he scored some good ones down the years. I can't remember too many of them being like just scabby, you know. Um, yeah, tap ins and stuff like that. He's not. He's not that guy necessarily. But yeah, uh, no. yeah, it's good ones. So and I hope he's enjoying his coffee this morning, Theo. If you're listening, have a nice uh, double espresso. <laughs>
2: Indeed. Uh, Okay, Jacob Rothenbush at Folk on Twitter says, James, (laughs) this is addressed to me specifically. All right. Would you take a Charlie Adams stamp to the testicles if it meant we won the title? Well, I mean, I can't
1: answer that for you, James. You'll
2: have to. No, I have to deal with that myself. I mean, would you take it? Yep. Really? Yep. Yep. And I mean you receiving the stamp, not yeah. me.
1: Yeah, definitely. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The pain goes away <laughs> after a while. And, you know, Charlie Adams stamp, uh, if we're doing it the same uh, ferocity as the one that he stamped on Alexis, it wasn't that much of it. It wasn't like, a, I'm going to stamp you into the ground. It was like, I'm just going to sort of tread on you here, because I'm mm. a dickhead. I'm a fat, fucking, stupid cunt. Um... <laughs> So if it was that, like if I was lying prone on the ground on my back and he just sort of trod on my on my junk, if you were, if that meant that we could win the league, absolutely, I'd take it. No problem I, at all.
2: I'd be more up for it if it was his right foot. I don't want that left foot that he's always trying to shoot from the halfway line mm. with, you know what I mean? That's yeah. his good foot. Uh, I guess so. I mean he's put hashtag for the team on the end of the question, so it really seems like the least I could do, I guess, for the team. Well there
1: there it is. There it is. This is this is the uh what we would put ourselves through for the benefit of Arsenal. And for all of you listening out there who would enjoy an Arsenal title win, we'd be sitting there with a uh, slightly swollen ghoulies. But hey
2: and an ice pack between yeah, our
1: legs. Indeed. Indeed. I think I've got one more here. Oh I do. I've got one more. Go on. I've got one more. This one comes from Ian Wright, not that Ian Wright at I H sure. Wright, and he says, "How far and how fast should people annoyed at the prospect of a banner for Adam and Humber fuck off?"
2: Very far, very fast, as far as a Charlie Adam shot, as fast as Hector Bellerin. That is pretty That's good. Far, yeah, I mean, look, Adam and Humber to me. I mean, I'd be, to be honest, I'd be in contract negotiations with them right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're the people we need to talk to. They're the people we need to tie down. If they sign for Arsenal, Alexis will sign for Arsenal.
1: Yeah, exactly. Brand ambassadors. They could be the official club dogs. <laughs> <That'd
2: be laughs> uh, awesome. I like it. I think it's ingenious of the of the fans to, you know, like, how can we show our love for this player? We'll, we'll show our love for his dogs. Yeah. I'm all for it.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. I know some people look at it and go, oh, it's stupid or it's this, that and the other. But, you know, fucking hell. People take football far too seriously. And like nobody's under any illusions, are they? That like, oh. We put up a banner for Alexis's dogs. That is what is going to make him stay at the club. Yeah, it won't be the hundreds of thousands of pounds a week that's on offer and image rights and bonuses and, uh, you know, uh, endorsements and uh, commercial opportunities and, you know, all these kind of things. Uh, That's not going to make any difference. It will be uh, a piece of cloth hanging from the stands. You know, nobody really thinks that. So I think it's quite a fun thing, to be honest. Uh, He loves his dogs. It's quite obvious he loves his dogs. And everyone loves Alexis. So let's have a little bit of a Alexis dog love in. What's the fucking problem?
2: Well, I entirely agree. Let's get it up. Let's do it. Do it. I think they're doing it.
1: Red action. I think they've got it, they've got it sorted. Uh, uh, the Canon blogging mate. He's doing mm. the old uh, graphics for it. Ideal. Indeed. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out great for everyone. And when uh, Alexis does sign his new deal, we can say that it's, it's all because of the banner. Indeed, I'm Uh, sure it will be. Yeah, some breaking news here, James, just as we're Mm -hmm. uh, talking. Apparently, we're going to play Bayern Munich in the Champions League. (laughs) Oh, God.
2: Every time we say it, it's like a wave comes over me a
1: wave of boredom and, oh, no, not
2: again. I know. Don't worry. We'll we'll distract from it by talking about contract renewals constantly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Well, look. Uh, thank you as ever for listening, everybody. If you uh, would like to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be that would be really swell because it, it gets us up the iTunes charts. So if you want to, you know, give us five stars, maybe even six stars. I don't think you can give six stars, but try. Um, that would be good Uh, so do that on iTunes Uh, we'd really appreciate that Uh, I'll be here on Friday with another Arsecast and we'll be back next weekend looking ahead to Christmas and everything else after a trip to the city of Manchester Stadium that'll be fun it will indeed it will indeed so we'll catch you then on the next one have a good one
2: Bye -bye. Bye 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 bye
0: bye 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 bye